Hey everyone, it's Charles. Uh, this is a little uh, pre-roll intro for the final installment of the Bladeverse. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope everyone's doing okay and staying safe. I uh, just wanted to give you a little uh, hint of what's to come. We've been, Josh and I have been trying to figure out how to move forward with everything. And we are going to somewhat stick to our original plan, which is uh, to continue onward with the Furious Verse. So even though Fast 9 has now been delayed, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. The next two episodes we've already recorded before all this crazy shit happened. So uh, as you've been doing with the Blade Verse, just enjoy a strange relic from an alternate universe where none of this shit happened. Um, but then after that, we'll be recording from our own homes uh, individually. So might sound a little different, might be a little different. So we really appreciate you being a part of this as we figure it out. Um, yeah, so enjoy this next episode. Uh, Blade 2 sucks. Fuck Guillermo del Toro and uh, Blade Trinity's. It, it's It's fine. Hello and welcome to When Will It End? Baby, it's Blade Trinity time here in When Will It End Town. We've watched Blade, we've watched Blade 2, and now it's time for the Trinity. Seal the deal, the complete trifecta. We're going to close the book on the on the Blade saga. Here we go. Blade Trinity. Charles, I want to know right off the top, right off the, I want the freshest, hottest take you got. We just, we literally moments ago finished David S. Goyer's uh, written and directed by Blade Trinity. What is your first thought on the movie? Oh, this is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. I'm putting uh, the ball in your hand. I mean, I'm feeling the this. It's good because I <laughs> I feel like I feel a blade goes through every day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's hunting vampires. He's like he's out on the hunt. The weight of the world is on his shoulders as the one daywalker who stands in in the front of the of the, yeah. the, the insidious vampiric conspiracy. He doesn't have time to hmm, maybe ponder his choices. He just has to act. He's got time for three things and possibly a fourth. Yeah. Metallurgy. Meditation. It didn't really happen for him this time. He did meditate. We got a good meditation scene. And did he murder vampires? I don't know. You tell me, motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, what I, you know, what I just learned from uh, Wikipedia.org. I've heard of that website. Uh, that co star Patton Oswald alleged that Snipes would spend much of his time smoking marijuana in his trailer and that he became violent with Goyer after falsely accusing him of racism. I don't know if I trust the white the white snarky guys. Yeah, take actually, on the I didn't. Situation. I didn't even finish reading that sentence when I started. I, I just liked that. Uh, he Patton Oswalt was like, "Yeah, he's just smoking smoking Mary Jane in his trailer all day." Fucking nerd! What a little dork! Yeah, who cares? But, don't give a shit. Uh, it's Blade. Yeah. Uh, oh wow, there's lots of. Uh, he called Ryan Reynolds a cracker. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay to call him a cracker. Yeah, if there's one person in this planet, it's okay to call a cracker. I think Ryan. No, no, Reynolds this is, is a real thing. Some white people think that cracker is like this, like horrible slur, and and they're like, what fantasy land do you live in as a white person in America, where you, like a word is like get real? Yeah, like, you're you're definitely again. It's this whole conservative snowflake phenomena where it's like, you know, oh, someone hurt my feelings, <laughs> and it's like you're yeah, no shit. No, but I think the biggest. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I. I so this is why I shouldn't do research because it just takes over. I don't want to. I don't want to think about that. Thank you. I was, I was like, that was weird. Didn't okay, let's get into no, it. But no, I, I want to talk about that because what I just learned was that Snipes hated the first director, which they don't even name on the Wikipedia site. Uh, so they brought in Goyer to both write and direct, and Snipes hated that too. And he, like, apparently Snipes was just very hard to work with on this film. Well, can I tell you something? That he probably did what? Use it. Use it. This movie fucking rules. Yeah, this was a good. This is so, uh, especially coming out of the two. We hated two. If this is your first time tuning in, first off, God bless you for oh starting with Blade Trinity. Yeah, I want to know the person out yeah. there is like, where do uh, I dive into the Blade movie coverage? I don't know. Blade Trinity, the most I'll critically reviled one. I'll start there. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I, I think this is what's. Weird. We talked about it at the end of the last one. It's like, what can they do? Blade Del Toro has pulled the rug out from the blade, the blade verse, 
and they have choices now. They can continue on from Del Toro's shenanigans. His, his like maximalism, his constant maximalism in every way. Yeah, everything about Blade Two is bigger, goofier, more cartoonish, wilder. But it's also that like bullshit that I hate, where it's like so caught up in the minutia of like what he thinks is cool. I think a director is allowed to be like, oh, I think this is cool. I want to put that in my movie. But Del Toro just only, that's all he puts in his movie. He puts nothing else in except for little bullshit that he no, thinks like, is like You cool. can tell he thought more about the dumb goggles that the that the spy vampires wear than like anything in the plot yeah. of, of Blade 2. And in this movie, I think what you're talking about is, is Goyer really lets Blade be Blade and lets Blade breathe. Where we're back to this very cold, gritty aesthetic. We're back in Los Angeles. It's another movie about paranoia, intrigue, and he ties in this mythological stuff. And if you note in the first Blade and in this Blade, there is the mythological stuff, but it's not. we're not diving deep into vampire lore in this exhausting manner. It feels like there's something so convoluted about two where like, the plot is both confusing and yet idiotically simple at the same time. Yeah. It, it feels very like tiring. It's, and in this movie, it's like, yeah, they brought back Dracula. And he's an interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot of thoughts on the world. And and again, we're, we're back to that sense of like everyone is grimly doing something out of like pain and trauma. Mm-hmm. It's not cool. These are like hurt people. Whistler's daughter is like transformed by grief. Blade teaches her how to channel her grief into rage. Yeah. We see um, um, Natasha Leone as, as Summerfield, the, the blind tech. She's, you know, horribly killed after tending to her daughter and reading her the Oz story. It's like, this is a, a very human story again. Yeah. And that's why, like, I read somewhere that uh, Del Toro didn't make too many changes to the Blade to script, but he did. You can he tell he did. He clearly did. He had his little pudgy fingers, his little pie fingers... All up in that thing. He uh, definitely got up in the guts of it. Because we were talking, like, did Goyer just completely shit the bed on the script? Right. We're, back, we're back to a movie where, one, people are funny, somehow. Two, people two, die. People die. Three, all the everything has a consequence and has a weight to it. That in two, it just sort of feels like this blown-out action movie where it's like, you know, you talk about it doesn't even feel like a Blade movie. Yeah. Because, you know, Blade 1 is all about the consequences of violence and his mother's traumatic death and facing her again. And, and in this movie, you know, we talked about not putting too heavy a hand on this. But I like that Whistler says, look, you are like a son to me and I'm worried about you because you're alone in a world that wants you dead. Yeah, and and I liked how simple. That's like it's like a very short monologue, and and, and it's it's really it's, well, it's heartbreaking. I think Corey realizes that he got it. He got everything he needed out of that like subtle relationship in one, and now you could tell that this is another reason you could tell Del Toro fucked everything up because the first thing Goyer does when he's back at the helm is kill Whistler again. He's like, no, I want Whistler to be dead. I want Blade to have to deal with that scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I think this this is in the mold of a lot of classic part threes, where I think of Alien 3, where Fincher course corrects from Cameron really aggressively. Yeah. I think of Austin Powers 3, where if you think about the transition from two to three, two is, again, this blown out, self-important, yeah. self-aware movie that is pretty exhausting. And then three goes back to like, let's let this be the fun sly wink that it is and right. have fun with it. and. Now they're now they're a family. Yeah. And I, it's, it's like so. I think the, the odds somehow by lowering the stakes a little bit and making it again a human drama. Because Blade Two, the biggest problem with Blade Two is that who like no one. It's hard to give a shit about anything. It's barely about Blade. We barely get a sense of Blade's yes. feelings about the situation. He's not protecting family or himself. He's fighting a new. It's it He's takes. Not even, his, he doesn't literally doesn't do anything until the end. He's a marginal figure in his own movie. He starts the movie off. And then all these little weirdos take over, and he like literally has—he doesn't do anything in the in the in the Matrix house scene. He barely does anything. He doesn't—I don't even remember. He does, gets does a few he showcase do- fight sequences, but they're not very interesting or no. well shot. And what's cool about this movie is that we our big problem with two that we've gone on about is. You know, oh, you like Blade? Let's add eight more characters to Blade that we now have to waste time on. This movie says, okay, we got to have people for Blade to to bounce off of. It can't be Whistler. He needs to go. They bring in Jessica Biel as Whistler's daughter, who I think is a little underserved by the script, but does a very good job with what she has. She's pretty good. Yeah, I think she maybe could have done a little bit more, but 
Honestly, I'd rather her be given less and show me more than be given a whole lot of shit to for me to like. All right, I get it. She's right. And with what this. you're identifying is really is a is very savvy on their part, where we see another grief shattered stoic person doing a lot of the same physical acting that Snipes is doing. Mm-hmm. And again, she she comes home to see once like you know her, her whole friends and family are slaughtered before her, and, and Blade just says, "Use it." Yeah. And it's, and it's just like it's. These aren't about people self-actualizing and becoming their best selves. They're like, no, no, no. we are rend- like, torn apart by the situation, but we're going to channel all of that into our one singular mission. Yeah. And and I think she does a really good job with that. And the bow shit is cool. Yeah. Bow it, combat actually, is cool. Yeah. I mean, they're, this is ahead of its time. Bow combat became really big, like, really recently in video games and, you know. Recently in video games, I'm playing the Rogue in Diablo in the 90s. was one of the highlights of my youth. But, like, I'm talking, like, the new Tomb Raider series from, like, 2015. Mm. There's a whole bunch of video games that came out around that time that was all, like, uh, Event, not Event Horizon. I would love that video Horizon game. Dawn? New Dawn know. Horizon? I don't play video games. I'm not a nerd. I just watch the Blade Trilogy on the weekends. Um, so this movie does an interesting thing right off the bat, which we were sort of like shocked by. This opens with the Marvel page-flipping intro. Yeah. In and 2004. If, and if we thought about doing any more research we could have seen maybe this is the first is this the first i don't know why, why don't you actually look that up i'll, I'll talk i'll vamp up. for a minute yeah um that that really struck me because of course you know when you think about bow combat and marvel you're thinking about jeremy renner you know the guy from the, the social media app the the, the 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 who rest in peace jeremy renner's personal social media app i wish wesley snipes should develop a personal like like a wesley snipes universe social media thing i would love that i want constant updates on wesley snipes but yeah, so that was fucking cool. And again, we're back to like, they have a new cool hangout on the river in this movie that I was delighted by. Did you like the cool hangout? Yeah, it was really good. I like the inclusion of water this time, which is really nice. There's something about Blade where you want him in LA. I didn't know how badly I, I wanted him in that environment until Blade 2. When he feels so disconnected from everything that it's like, and he might as well be swimming in the void. And this he feels connected to it. I love where we're back to the cool, you know, time sped up transitions of of, of falling into nightfall. And Guillermo mm-hmm. throws in one yeah. of those maybe in Blade Two, but that device, I don't know. It, it it is a really unique visual that really serves the Blade universe. I think it's really cool. It's 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 uh, it's the aesthetic, and I think it's interesting that the first director. I don't know. Like this is it. We were just two boys in a room in a basement on a on a strangely unsupportive couch, trying to imagine what happened back then. Yeah. Like was Goyer and the director like did they team up more? Or was like were they more involved? And then Del Toro comes in and is like, no, no, I know it's best. I'm going to make this my way. And it's like, do, it's like you have to wonder because the parallels between one and three are so strong and so linked. Like Goyer is the link. It seems like. Well, I mean, he wrote all three movies. You're, you're terrible at this. You're doing I bad can't research. find this. Is just okay. videos, Josh. This is just videos. You're bad at this. Shut up. You are. You're genuinely bad at this. You go, go. I'm Vlad at it. Go, go. Find Vlad, it. You're Vlad at it, as in Vlad the, the Dracula. Impaler. Vlad the Impaler. He's often considered the historical origin of the of the Dracula myth. Let's Can talk I... about Dominic Purcell for a minute. Who's that? Are you fucking kidding? Never. We, we have conversations. We watch things together. You read things, and it just it, the information dribbles out of you. Your brain, like an incontinent octogenarian's fucking depends. Your brain latches onto supporting characters' acting names. I don't. I see them for who they are as a member of the theater. The theater. What the fuck does that mean? It. it I, I don't care about who they are in real life. I'm not one of those simpletons that sits in the dark and goes... Oh, I recognize that person. I'm going to whisper to my friend. Okay, I found the research quicker than you did. You were like, God, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. I was just about to go there. Starting with the release of Spider-Man 2002, Marvel Studios introduced its flipbook production logo. Okay, so Spider-Man. So Spider-Man. Which Spider-Man? The first one, 2002. The one with little, the little, what's his name? Little boy? You don't know the, the little. It's a movie podcast. <laughs> Who's that? The, the, the guy from Lord of the Rings? No, the guy who looks like the guy from Are Lord you of the fucking Rings. kidding? I Toby. Think with one with Toby? Yes. Toby. Maguire. Yes. Sure, whatever. I don't care. You are the Blade 2 of people. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm uh I say let's let's actually do this. Out of all the movies we've seen, mm. Gold I Member. would say 
No, you might be the gold. I'm member. definitely gold. Yeah, member. you're the gold. I mean, can I tell you one thing about myself that I found in, that I shared in common? With I gold honestly, member? if I can were I tell to, you the one thing about, I him? can't imagine what you're going to say next. I love gold. Uh-huh. That might be the best movie we've watched for this series. I go back; to, it's like a safe place in my head now. Yeah, that is, I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm give wrong. You it. You're very wrong. It's not a good movie, but compared to the others, maybe I'm the love guru of people. I would never. That's wow. that's a step too far, even by okay, my standards. You think so? I like dunking on you, but I would never call you the love guru of people. That's worse than that's worse than Wesley Snipes calling Ryan Reynolds cracker on set. Ooh. Can you imagine a worse thing than for Ryan? Poor Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he probably didn't give a shit. That's the whole shit. thing about being called cracker. It's a strange. It's like it sucks that that's the uh, the insult that we as white people get to endure is that we are in charge. We're mean with a whip. Like, that's that's all we have to endure. Oh, no, they called me the man in charge with a whip. Yeah. Oh, they, they like, reminded the fact that we have, our hands are soaked in blood of centuries of slavery. Yeah. yeah. Good God. I know. That's, ugh. So, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a cracker. We're all crackers. Yeah, just own it. Yeah. It's, well, it's like the whole, maybe like... not own it. I would I'm say maybe, not, no, no, okay. oh, like, oh, I'm think saying, about it and be like, oh, shit, yeah, this is... Uh, own it in the sense of, I think for some people, they think being called a racist is a pejorative. When it's like, no, you, like, in a society where your race enslaved another race, you just, that is a dynamic that exists. Yeah. It, you can't erase it. It's not an insult. It's accurate. That's a good point. I don't think cracker is an insult. It's a... I think it's intended it's to a, be an insult. It's a, it's a harsh reminder of your is it place really in the a world. reference to the crack of the whip? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Oh, well, you learn something new. Every I was imagining like saltines. <laughs> oh, you just think we're bland, just like a, a blanched white processed flour, which no, is also rude. It's, it's, it's not cracker. good for you. You right about this stuff? No, what's wrong with crackers? Well, I just think that kind of very processed flour is not no, good for I, your digestion. Okay, I don't eat that. It cakes the walls of your large intestine. I made that up, but the visual is striking. I like it. Do um, you think? Oh, wait, can we give uh, Del Toro a quick call? Yo, Say, what does that mean? I'm just saying, Del Toro, we got this idea. We just thought of intestines, the inside of intestines. <laughs> he would, Are you he the man for the job more. to show us uh, a flour-caked intestine? Uh, yes, I am. We can have I a whole am. autopsy scene where they poke at an intestine. Josh is dead of flour. Okay, cracker term. Oh, God, we're just going to spend time looking this up. Sometimes white cracker or cracker is a racial epithet for white people, usually espe- used especially for poor rural whites in southern United States. Well, that does make Etymology. sense. Etymology. Etymology. Um, yeah, no, cracking whip. There you go. Or, or possibly loud conversation and bragging talk in Middle English. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. I wonder which Hold ones. Hold on. He called, he, <laughs> he called him a like, loud bragger? That is, okay, no, that, oh, that, change, that changes everything. Wesley. Wesley, how could you? Wesley, come hey, on, Let's man. talk Ryan Reynolds for a minute. Okay. Um, I want to... Yes, I, I think I wanted to ask before we talk Ryan Reynolds. I want to ask you a question. This movie is called Blade Trinity. Yes. What do you? Th- what is that reference to? You? What is? What do you think? I mean, obviously, we ha- we actually we haven't really talked about the Matrix. The Matrix is this is crazy that this pre- oh, we did it a little bit in the first one, but like this predates the Matrix. Not this movie, but the no, series sorry, does. the series does. But then the Matrix became so big. They were this movie like strangely calls back like the Neo hand gesture in the Matrix. Jessica Biel does the come hither pre kung fu fight, but like thing. the exact same close up of the hand and yeah. the same like angle of the fingers bending back. So it's like this weird cycle of probably Blade influencing the Matrix, but then the Matrix then influencing the Blade. Well, I mean, I think just like the Matrix, and and it became part of the visual language of movies so quickly that like it's inevitable that if you're doing a high concept, you know, sci-fi thriller, you're gonna have something. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that hung up on that. No, no, I'm like, just so, so I'm curious. Do you think Trinity is like? No, oh, I don't. Well, think Trinity so. is in the Matrix, I don't think so, so that was like just a part of the vernacular in 2004. I mean, I guess part of me says maybe some fucking absolute dipshit marketing was right. Like, well, we could call it Blade Trinity, and that will. <laughs> Uh, subconsciously tell people that I, this guess, is... I don't know so but then no, 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 but then think... you have to the other so if it's not trinity from the matrix who's the trinity right but there's well, like no hold on hold on of course the trinity is ryan reynolds jessica biel and wesley snipes and, and here's so. my here's my idea the idea is that like there are three people who are completely shattered by their experiences on the front lines of the vampire human yeah. war where you know biel it, it grows up in the shadow of her father saying like 
everything I had was destroyed for me by the vampires. It was my absolute obsession ever since like I lost everything. And Reynolds is like, I was a vampire slave for years. And I'm, yeah. you know, his story is great, good. His story is good. So that's the Trinity. I don't, I don't know. It's okay. pretty I, I, I think what I would give this movie credit for is that they don't belabor the Trinity. Right. I do think it was a marketing decision to call it Trinity. Well, remember in Blade 2, there's that fucking terrible the right stuff shot where the entire team is walking in slow motion. Ugh. And it's like, this Ugh. fucking sucks. This is not what Blade yeah, is about. Yeah, you don't get that at all in this movie. You get right. What's cool? What's cool? We, we laughed during the movie because like Blade straight up is so back to being himself where he is singularly focused on his shit where like he bursts in at the end and Ron Reynolds is in prison. He bursts in and completely ignores him. Just keeps yeah, going. Yeah, he doesn't even unchain him. He yeah. just like he just walks away from him. It's great. It's, it's and, like, really good. That's the vibe of Blade that I want. So you're right. They don't belabor that 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 idea of like yeah. There's no group. That's well, why no, I find they're, it. They're, they're a team, but they're a team on Blade's terms that we can believe. We don't see him be like subsumed by like all right, everybody. Now we're buddies. It doesn't it doesn't go that route, which is great. Yeah, I, I but I think that's what I mean. Like I never got a sense that they were a trio. I sort of get the sense that maybe, but even like. Jessica Biel's character in Ryan Reynolds, like they're definitely connected, but even there, like it's a very separate three. They are all doing very separate things, especially Blade. Blade's off on his own. Well, which is a I breath mean, of fresh know. air. I guess so. I think that I think well, I think what you're trying to say is that the characters. Say what I said. Oh God damn it! You're not going to make it work. I said I'm what I said. I'm going to shut this down. This sucks. <laughs> uh, you don't have to tell me what I said. I said what I said. This is bad. <laughs> you can say something else. Okay. But you don't try to tell I'm gonna me. I'm going to just face something, another direction said. in the room. Because Josh, What's good about the movie? look me in the eyes. <laughs> no. Turn to me. Can you edit in a toilet flushing sound? Sure. Okay, great. Just put that here. Okay, now, what, what you're saying, what you're saying is that each character so has a motivation and an identity and an objective that is really well defined. Right. And going from Blade 2 where it's like there's a bunch of them. It's like who fucking you know they're just like a random we didn't talk about this that like Blade chooses to save the life of a vampire for no reason. And two, yeah, he like it's, we talked about it. It's stupid. I don't want to talk about. I'm it just saying, like day. that's the thing that he's became a part of this dumb group, and I like that he's interacting with a group. Okay, no, no, no we get it, we get it. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Well, you just keep shutting me down. No, so you've, do you you've said it? the same thing several times. So I, I hear what you're saying. I think what I'm trying to say is that is is the compliment to what you're saying, which is that everyone has a different objective within this trinity, within this like forced arrangement. So it doesn't feel like just like you know a mob of people sort of you know we must find the reapers, which is a shitty motivation and is stupid. And like the blood pack has no purpose other than like they're a vampire squad. It's mm. dumb. So in this movie, yeah, the motivations. Gives them all their own arc that we follow when that arc doesn't exist in two. And then that's what you're saying. Where who gives a shit about Nyssa? Who gives a shit about Lighthammer and Reinhardt? Who gives you're a shit about Snowman? Snowman? Well, we I, do because Donnie Yen fucking slaps. So, but in, in this, it's like Ryan Reynolds' ex girlfriend, Parker Posey, is leader of the vampires. And they have a whole thing, they have a whole game that they play. And with Beale, she's like, You fucking killed my dad. And yeah. she's a whole game that she's playing. And Blade is like, Me and Dominic Purcell are kind of buddies, but I do have to kill him. Who's Dominic Purcell? Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, I got you. Drac- I like that in this movie, Dracula and Blade have a great dynamic where, where in the first movie, Dorf is like, humans are cattle. Mm-hmm. We just slaughter them. And then Purcell is like, as Dracula, he's like, look, look at them. They're just silly. They're just, silly. They're just little. <laughs> yeah. Who do- he Insignificant. Doesn't, he doesn't hate them. He's like, I'm an immortal vampire god. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about people, but I don't hate them. I don't resent them. No. And actually, this the, one of the coolest scenes from any of the Blade movies was the blood farm. Absolutely. Yeah. They, 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 again, talk about like the weird Matrix parallels. We finally get like the logical conclusion of the corporate vampire aesthetic where, you know, why even hunt them anymore? We'll just steal all these homeless people and make them into a blood yeah. farm. And again, injecting- We're doing a public service. By making this movie an American urban film, they inject this like really nauseating like political subtext where they're like, there's like three million homeless people wandering around the US every year. No one cares about them. Yeah. Just take them. We're just going to take them. Right. And like talking right now in a Democratic primary where like Mike, Mike Bloomberg is like this an actual vampire lord is running for <laughs> the Democratic primary where it's like, yeah, I mean, like the Onion joke, you know, the, the great Onion article where a uh, bloodstained Bloomberg announces the homelessness problem is solved in New York. It's like really they, like that kind of like that the, the the subtext of like a corporate mindset or this like, you know, eerie like Illuminati elite vibe of the first movie that the second movie takes a fat shit on by making it a stupid, goofy monster movie. Like we're back to that, that sense of like, Oh, 
this is saying something about America. This is saying something about power. Yeah. And I do like, I was a little worried because the opening scene was Blade getting like framed for murdering a human. And I was like, wait, I thought we already established the rules that the police are already the enemy. And I was like, oh, what are they going to do? This is going to work. But no, it works great. It was really my my immediate like, uh, are they going to change this up? It just like, it allowed for more people to be, because the, the main cop at the end, who's not a familiar, he probably never would have really been investigating this without this like drive to be like, oh, there's evidence that this man is a murderer. Let's go get him. Right. And they give us a little treat, which is a little taste of an L.A. FBI procedural in the middle of this movie that mm. really works. And I think about Terminator Genesis, a, a genuinely terrible movie where the only glimmer of fun is is like all of a sudden yeah. J.K. Simmons as the Harry's like losing his mind FBI agent. Like, and it's a fun little taste of that. And we get that in this where I love the cops in this movie. They're yeah. like hard boiled asshole dumb shits who are just trying to like tackle something way bigger than they can possibly comprehend. And, and and that little flavor gives it that like that groundedness that again, too, it's like completely ungrounded in a way that's very irritating. So I, I think of that that ploy, which again I agree, could come off as contrived or you know, maybe at odds with with things established in Blade One, actually does give us more of that texture and grit of like, no, this is an actual guy living in an actual place where there are actual consequences. Yeah, I think um, the bad guy. It was it was also really nice to have like a bad guy again. We're which gonna, like, which bad guy? Uh, Dracula. Yes. Okay. But like, there's lots of bad. There's lots of great bad guys that, in this movie, though. That's true. But I mean, like a main bad. Mm. And it's weird that like I think the big bad is so buried in well first of all it's so hard to know what anyone's motives in two were like why is this big reaper doing anything and then why is this like you know so buried in makeup and cgi prosthetics it's like i don't care but it's idris elba in star trek 3 right, where exactly. it's like you bring in a big bad and you completely hinder his ability to have any emotional <laughs> impact on us yeah we were talking about that, like you can barely move his arms. They're so, like, caked and whatever. Well, that was, was the vampire trying... lord in two, who, is, who truly is pathetic and can't do shit with his <laughs> He looked hands. like a Jedi because he couldn't move and he just was, like, throwing people around, but uh. it was so obvious. But it's nice that it's, like... No, it was the Reaper. There's the one who's like, yeah, 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 Just, like, waving his hands back and forth. Oh, my God. But I'll, honestly, I'm sorry to bring up Star Wars, but, like, this is an interesting one to three where if you sort of see the Death Star in Star Wars as uh, the first bad guy in Blade 1, and then the Death Star 2 in Blade, in, in Return of the Jedi, and we have, like, a return to that, like, Death Star bad guy. They're very similar, but as you pointed out, it's better than Star Wars. This is, like, not just a recreation of the first bad guy. Like, oh, I wish, like, I don't know why we need this Death Star again. It's like a new version of the the conflict, and it's not the... We don't really care about it. He has his own personality. He has his own drives. He's another character that we really, like, really get to see what he wants to do. Well, in Blade 1, you know, Deacon Frost and Blade are both driven by their between-worlds bastardization identity. And in this movie, Dominic Purcell, you know, as Dracula, upon his defeat, he's like, all right, Blade. I know. You know, I, I was, you know, good. we wanted to make a new generation of, of, of Daywalkers, but there already is one. And you're good. At, you're awesome, man. Yeah. I respect you. Yeah. And I, I like that. You know, the total lack of emotionality in two, or at least the completely incomprehensible emotionality in two, where where the Reaper guy is maybe sympathetic, but kind of hard to tell because he dies anyways. Like, they completely lose a thread in that character, and it sucks as a a villain. And in this movie, I love that they end on this note of, like, vampire to vampire, bro. Nice moves. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, have fun with that thirst. Yeah. Like, he doesn't – he's like, yeah, you're – you are what – you are. We've been searching the whole time to make a better vampire, and you're it. You'll become one of us soon. Don't worry. Right. And what an emotionally interesting choice, and also what a, like a damning thing to say, where he's like, I'm not even worried about you being a good guy, because at the end of the day, you are driven by a lust for blood. Nothing will change that. Yeah. What a great way to end that. Like, So Blade gets the win, but again, kind of like in Blade 1, even though he triumphs, it doesn't solve any of his problems. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make him happier. It doesn't make him simpler. Yep. It doesn't. It, it really. It, it really underscores how trapped he is, and that, that's like a brave, interesting thing to do with a character, especially at the end of a trilogy. Yeah. No. And I. Well, that's the, that's the thing about franchises. I'm gonna bring up Star Trek this time. Is that okay with you? Well, we've already brought it up earlier, just well, moments the, ago. We talked the about the original Elba. one. The original. Oh, sure. 
They always, you know, that thing. I don't even remember which one's which, but they're always like, "Oh, the odd numbered, the even numbered Star Treks are good, and the odd number ones are bad." People say the dumbest shit. But I'm wondering if in this franchise building, you're talking about this as a trilogy, but maybe they were setting up a fourth one. We're not. I don't really know. Like maybe that there is that like every other one in some series is is good because the first one's good, and then somebody else takes over and fucks it up. So they have to course correct. Like there's all this like strange sine waves and arcs that are going on within the framework of the whole franchise where you're always having to deal with what came before you in ways like we talked about this Terminator. It's like, what do you do? What do you use? Where do you build? Like it's, it's this game within this huge, like this, the whole system is sort of designed to make directors have to confront what they want, but still work with what they're given. Yeah, and I think obviously speaking in the wake of Rise of the Skywalker, or I can't even remember the name. It's the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's the Rise of Skywalker. Whatever you we, can we, remember, it, this very simple mnemonic: uh, T R O S. Tross. It's it's well, the Rise of you can just remember the Tross. Rise of Skywalker. Why are you giving me shit? I can't remember like fucking David Purcell, but you can't Dominic remember, Purcell. You can't remember the name of a movie. Because Star Wars, it's a shitty subtitle the, where the use of articles is so random and genuinely confusing that I blame – I sincerely blame the marketing team at Disney more than myself for it's that. It's called The oh, Force Awakens. You don't sink maybe Force of- – I don't sink often and only into this couch. Think. I, you said sink. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, okay. Force um, of the Awakening. No, but I think you're you making a that? good point. I think yeah, a lot about you. I think a lot about Verbinski and the Pirates trilogy, right. where you know there is a weird drive to those those movies that's incredibly like in retrospect, I am more and more impressed with those first three Pirates movies. Yeah, because Verbinski, given this like pretty rare right to really craft an entire trilogy, which if you think about it. In, in the realm of trilogies, other than what, Peter Jackson? Who really gets to do that? But also it's G- Goyer is the closest we've come so far to someone, you know, even though he didn't direct the first two, he wrote all three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- that sense of continuity is interesting and that conflict you're talking about. So in this movie, we've seen, you know, this, yeah. this a really erratic spike of like consistent great first movie, what the fuck second movie, back to consistency in the third, yeah. same writer. And it's as interesting because Pirates, you have the same director, writer's... I think at least director for the first three and then four goes bad. So yeah. it's like, it's it the odd, even things gone, but it's the team. It's like by team you have, Oh, here's Burbinsky. And then some other asshole takes over who is probably a pedophile that likes Russian girls. Yeah. Gross, gross movie. Ugh. The grossest Thank you. film. I really appreciate you not calling me the pirates four of men. Oh, I would Thank again, you. I think that that's just above the love guru, which is the nadir of things to say to people, but yeah, uh, it's still pretty bad. But then the course correction in Pirates 5 is lovely. It is, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we're seeing that course correction. And even though Wikipedia claims there was a lot of strife on set. You, he, they used it. They used it. They used yeah, it. Yeah, Wesley's like... I, he's Ryan, back. He's, he, this might be his best performance so far. It was good. And I think Ryan Reynolds was perfect. Ryan Reynolds like played the... He wasn't... like I think I personally think he's very funny in Deadpool. I like his character. I think he's sympathetic. I think he's funny has problems he's dealing with things but ultimately his lines are delivered to be funny to me right and this movie does something really fun where yeah he's not charming he sucks not that funny he's just like an annoying dick and i like that they lean into that and and of course and what does blade give him the entire movie (laughs) he throws so much shit at all these quips and snarks and whatever and blade and blade gives him absolutely fucking nothing Nothing. i think he responds to maybe once or twice most of it he's just like look like there's all these cuts to blade just being like and it's a good, it's a great game to play. It's so good. So if, if if the game is supposed to be that like we're supposed to be sympathetic towards Ryan Reynolds, it's and it's not. He's just trying to get something out of Blade, and Blade refuses him. Yeah. So it, it turns what could be this sort of like squawking, irritating sidekick into like a genuinely fun game to watch over the course of the movie. Yeah. And so if if you think Ryan Reynolds is funny in this movie, well, first you're wrong. But like I think that's the that's the audience like, Ooh, am I a Ryan Reynolds or my Blade? Do I like this Ryan Reynolds man? Or do I want to sneer at him? Well, even more so, to his credit, they pull off voiceover in this movie that I have no problem with, which is a rare thing to say. It's pretty Ryan good Reynolds at it. does the intro and the outro to the movie and sort of sets it up a little bit. But, you know, right. again, in two, you see that cowardly thing where it's like, hey, oh. everybody, I'm Blade. I bet you're wondering how I got here. Let me tell you. And it's like, this is stupid. Can we- I share with you a little something? Please. 
Uh, I saw in the Omni Theater at the Museum of Science in Boston, you know, that spherical movie theater for some reason. I don't really know what it does other than make you feel like you're missing something. <laughs> Have you been in one of those? No. Where you that like, unless you are like first in line and get sat right in the middle, you're like not, there's no good place to sit other than like six seats all in the middle of this giant hemisphere. You're, you're like lying down or something? Or basically. Turning? Oh, yeah. You're, okay. you're basically, so we had, we got there late because of driving complications. And then we had to sit in like the third row, which most of these theaters, it's, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. You're like underneath this thing and you're like peering up at the ceiling. Anyway, we saw this movie about bears, shadow bears. And who did the narration for the entire 45-minute film? One, Ryan Reynolds. Wow. Yeah. Did he snark about bears? Was he, being uh, he made a mother-in-law joke, which I don't think has been done since like the 80s. So. Yeah, I think it's illegal now. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was Not allowed. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. Wow. Well, I guess, you know, I haven't seen Shadow Bears as narrated by Ryan Reynolds, but, you know, maybe I think this is my favorite Ryan Reynolds movie. Really? Yeah, like they they use him the way he should be used. He gets tortured and beaten a lot. Uh, Parker Posey and his dynamic is delightful. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the supporting cast of this movie. Yeah. John Michael Higgins as the vampire familiar psychotherapist. Okay, yeah. Of the the veteran of many a Christopher Guest film, an absolute delight of a man. It's great. Interesting to have a career after being Christopher Guest's like staple. What do you mean after? I, th- I think he, he's just a working actor. He's in so much. No, I know, but like, it, is huge. like it's hard. Like, I feel like Christopher De- Guest does such a specific thing. It's sort of like the people that worked with Whit, Whit Stillman. Mm. Like, it's like, oh, you're that thing. But like, oh, I'm the fake documentary guy thing. Like, he he's really good, but I just like, well, I, don't I don't really see him very often. That doesn't often. really put, put John Michael Higgins? Yeah, I don't see him ever. ever. That's a shortcoming on your part. Cause he well, is, maybe it's uh, a shortcoming on his part. No, he's doing he great. I don't even know what this bit is. He's in so much Tell stuff. Me. John Michael Higgins? Oh, God. You're going to look it up. You can't even remember. Well, because like, the list is too long. Where do you even start? I don't yeah. like this bit. Start at the beginning. <sighs> this, this, this is isn't a bit. I'm... This is annoying. Oh, God. Why are you so annoyed today? <laughs> because it, it, you're so annoyed. I, I keep saying things. It's you keep irritating. Telling, you're not yes-anding me. You're telling me I'm wrong all the time. Because you're not doing a good job. Oh, shut He's up. He's in Fred Claus. Come on. You haven't seen Fred Claus? No. What the fuck is you that? sick fuck. That was his, that's his number one bill on IMDb is Fred Claus? No, he's in, uh, just an unbelievable amount of stuff. Where yeah. to start here? Um, yeah, he's in, in 146 movies. Is he in Free Willy? Um, he is. He's not in Free Willy. I'm going to be. They're doing a Save by the Bell reboot? Wow. Good for him. He's playing the principal. He's That's in good. Bob's That's, Burgers, you know what? Wait, he's in After I... Family, he's in Drunk History, he's in Scooby-Doo and Batman, The Brave and the Bold, Pitch Perfect 3, Pitch Perfect 2, Pitch Perfect 1. He's in so much Can stuff. Can I tell it's you something incredible. about myself? Mascots? That was bad. I want that was to. A bomb. Did you see Mascots? That was like the bad yeah, Christopher did, Guest I movie. It did it. not oh, work. Oh, he did that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Everyone was like, I, I think it was, yeah, it, it's, uh, it is a tight 90. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we do. We could do a guest series. That's not a crazy idea. Interesting. Yeah. Uh can I tell you something about myself? I honestly probably know. Right, not right now. Just let me. What is it? I want to age. If I had a dream, I've already told you about my kicking dream, and we already went over that. No, no time travel involved. But if I somehow could become like sneak into the acting game in my forties, in my fifties, I'd hope to play a principal. I think that is one of the best I roles. I can see that. Like, the Buffy principles, one of the greatest he's principles. He's phenomenal. The principal in Freaks and Geeks is yeah, amazing. Like, the principal, the role of the principal, you get to be a powerful person over the week, because high schoolers are just, they're not important, they don't have any rights, they're dumb. They're scary. So I, you get I, to be, like, this power figure to nobodies, and then that gives you this role to be like, ooh, do I play it silly? Do I play it domineering? Like, I don't know, I like a good principal. Well, and now we know. It's on the record. I want to see a good principal series. Dare to dream. Someone should curate a principal series. I think there's a show called Vice Principal starring Walter Goggins and uh No, no, I mean like somebody going through the archives of Danny movies with principals. Yeah. And like this is a good showcase of principles. This could be some of your ample free time well. What would spent. we call it? Principal principles? The principal principles. The principal principle would be the best way. Don't don't pluralize it. The principal principle. The principal principle. Could be a horrible letterbox list. Okay, I want to talk about this fucking movie. Okay, John just, Michael Higgins. He's I'm an incredible actor. People who are well versed in film and television know him well. He's I know who Patton Oswalt is. Patton Oswalt's in it, and I think well restrained. I find him generally irritating. Here's you the do? real standout. Really? I do. I don't think he's very funny. No. Did you see that ba- basketball movie? 
The football movie, The Fan? Yeah, football movie. No, I haven't seen it. His, his big dramatic turn? He's good. Okay, I'll yeah. see it. Um, but no, Triple H, the wrestler, mm, plays like a big heavy in this. He's good. And he's fucking great. He's really he's good. He's really good. There's a part where, so there's one, a vampire Pomeranian dog, which is brilliant. Exactly. Really good idea. It really works. It, it almost feels like it's making fun of Del Toro. It does. I totally like, agree with we're that. We're going to have a, a cool monster whose face split out, splits open. It's a palm. <laughs> Fuck you, idiot. What a dumb thing to waste time on. And it looks better than everything in, in the last one. Yeah, and it sets up a great joke where, where Ryan Reynolds says, you know, well, that Palm's dick is bigger than yours, Triple H. And Triple H goes, when did you see my dick? Great joke. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, I like that the vampires in this are sort of like, you know, slick and corporate and greasy, but also funny and having fun and having their own reactions. And exp- like they they feel really fleshed out in a way. Yeah. E- even in one, they're all kind of like the heroin chic club kid kind of vibe. And in this one, they're like, they're really, you get more of a texture of their personal relationships and style. Which Absolutely. I, like a lot. Yeah. I think that's really the first one. All you base, you got all of that put into his henchman. Can you please provide the actor's name? The henchman in in Blade One, the guy who keeps getting his arms cut off. Oh, Donnell Logue playing yeah. Quinn. Yeah, Quinn the is Donnell like Logue. Quinn is like they sort of extrapolated Quinn's identity into five vamp. We all get the sense of each of these vampires, and it's like, oh, they get their own team too, right? I wonder if that's the Trinity. You got the hunters. You got the vampires, and you got the police. Well, it's not, but it is a nice idea. And yeah, I like the whole squad. It could be everything. You're and really shutting me down today, Digging Josh. deeper into the cast, we have the great Eric Bogosian, who shows up in a very limited capacity as a host of a, te- a television show. And it's I was good. delighted that Arno from Uncut Gems is in this movie. It was sort of like the Craig Bierko in Scary Movie 4 of Blade <laughs> 3, Trinity. Wait, Where, have you interviewed uh, Bogosian? I, are you, no, I would be I would so be sharing that link all goddamn yeah, the last few months. He's not really the Craig Bierko then, because he's not a personal friend of yours. That's true, a close personal friend. Yeah. And I was just delighted that, like, you know, I guess the beauty of of, of cinema is that when, when someone comes along and really hits a roll out of the park, you get to go back through their story right. career and That's stumble cool. over them. And Bogosian is 100% believable and committed in, in, like, a minute of screen time. It's like, wow, he really is hosting this public access show. Yeah. So do you think with the start of this the Marvel slideshow are you the getting a, are you getting a sense of the the Marvel the proto Marvel like the seed of Marvel No thankfully no yeah which is great you know again this this movie comes out you know what 4 years before Iron Man yeah um and you know the thing about Iron Man, which I think he meant two thousand eight. John Favreau, of course, is that that's that also is not is still not really in the mold of what Marvel would become. And the fact mm-hmm. that this is such that's a good a, point, it's like a love letter to the first Blade movie. So if anything, they're doubling down on what works so far before the Marvel universe was considered. You know this really formulaic thing. It, I think it's really impressive. Yeah, and, and you, you talked about the thumbprint of, of Del Toro and the consistency issues with this series. And I think it's really cool that someone, despite Blade 2, I guess, being more popular and, ben, and, and, and better received in this movie, someone said, we want to go back to what really works with Blade. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I think we were talking... So I'm on Rotten Tomatoes right now because I'm like, it's got a 29%. Right, and we, we, this whole and, show, this whole podcast, we're constantly livid with critics who write off later sequels, I feel like right off the bat. Yeah, um, and like it's like people are saying like the top critics are like, oh, it's a train wreck. It's everything looks fake. It's it's like it's not even as a fan. I don't like it. It's it's weird to see. And we were like, wait, this is a Marvel movie, even though it doesn't really feel like one yet. This is better than so many in the MCU. This is so. It's really just critics are still just like, oh, I. I, as a, a a member of the high art of film criticism, cannot like something that has a three in the title. Right. It's gone too far. And then you, you look at like Thor, where like Ragnarok is absolutely the critical darling. And probably, yes. like, I think that everyone, everyone, by and large, the average moviegoer would be like, that's when Thor got good. The third Thor movie. Right. And like, so the fact that that attitude has changed so much since these movies came out, it's kind of heartbreaking because I hate the idea that people thought that this wasn't a successful or, or well-made movie. Right. It's and you, really delightful. And Blade 2 got like a 60, 50, 57. Yeah. And I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding it's me? It's nuts. It's not, it is, it's not, it's like when, I don't know, it's like, it has, it has nothing to do with what I want. Right. And why is this what you want? You just don't want a Blade movie anymore? The beauty, Go watch something else. Here's the beauty else. of the series, and I want to run this by you. You don't have to watch Blade 2. 
It's great. You don't have to watch it. It's in the same way you don't have to watch Terminator 2. You don't have to watch Aliens. You just like you can skip over all these idiots trying to be like, oh, how do I come all over this series? How do I put my stain on this thing that somebody else created? Doesn't Ryan Reynolds call Triple H a diaper stain at one point? Yeah. That's Wait, great. you called me a diaper stain. Well, no, I called you uh, your, the, your, like the dribblings of an incontinent octogenarian in their depends. Or yeah, something I know. That's a diaper stain. Well, it's stain. more of like the liquid. Yes, the, you're the viscous, very eloquent. Yeah, the viscous diarrhea. We really described the diaper stain, but at the end of the day, it's like bubbling out of someone's rectum. It's a diaper stain. Yeah. Well, again, I'm saying the fluid making the stain. So it's. I think there's a differentiation. Hey, at least you didn't call me the Jaws Four of Men. Jaws Four is okay. Yeah, maybe Jaws Three is the that that Jaws Three is horrendous. Uh, I mean, I am cheap. Don't, <laughs> don't look great. And you do have a, a bearded sexuality that, that Jaws 4 really leans into. That's true. I, I, I'll Jaws take 4 to Jaws is so 4. Horny. <laughs> what a horny movie. I'm not that horny, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You've got the libido of a much older man. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I take that as a compliment. No, but I, I think you the, the problem with Terminator is that you have to see T2 so you can answer the question, wait, why does Terminator suck so much in T3? Why is he such a fucking wuss doing annoying shit? So here's can I, I'm just going to read you the, like, the Rotten Tomato blurbs of these top critics. Okay. Uh, here's one. Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post. Wow. Watching Blade Trinity is like being rolled down a marble staircase in an oil drum. The movie is loud, dark, bumpy. And not even a little fun. What I mean, are you fucking talking about? What more fun could you want than like watching vampires poof into beautiful dust? Like the scene where Triple H dies is like, what a cool idea. They have this like slated wall that has gaps in it and it just falls so majestically through that. It's like, okay, let me, little con- moments. Let me contrast so that stupid review with an even stupider review a that's going to make two? you pissed off. Or of this one. A Blade 2. Just because yeah. this is the perfect counterpoint to that idiotic take. And by the way, it, Blade should be dark. I can't believe I have to say that. Yeah. He's a fucking vampire Are you hunter. an idiot? Are you stupid? Okay. Here's the first review on Rotten Tomatoes by Matt Goldberg for Collider for Blade 2. Wow, Collider. That's that's like, when was this review written? Uh, This is written, in, it's, uh, it's showing me 2018, so I have no idea why. Yeah, no, that's because they probably re-reviewed it. Okay. Collider didn't, I don't think it even really existed back in 2002. Blade 2 is an incredibly upbeat picture. And oh. Than, oh, that's, oh, cool. good, finally. That's what I want from the fucking vampire hunter who killed his mother in the first movie. Yeah. Okay. It's an incredibly upbeat picture, and rather than focus on Blade's loneliness or how he's humanity's protector and yet can never truly be one of them, you know, the entire premise of Blade, the core of his character, the central driving quest that yeah. makes him a compelling figure, Del Toro gleefully jumps into the action scenes. Imagine being so stupid that you see like a like a, a heavy, dark, upsetting movie that like really draws you into this like traumatized nightmare of Blade's existence and being like, you know what would be cool? If this was fun. Yeah. What if it was just fun? Wait, whoa. What, what if we had little vampire ninjas with eyes that go, wah, 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 wah. I, I hate people. Uh. Also, I don't understand that like people hit the Marvel movies to go back to this nowadays. The, the complaints that it's too glib or too flighty or too light, you know, and that it's not taking in these questions into consideration. And and I just wish people would, would make up their fucking mind. Yeah, I think the other thing is that all these movie critics are like, it's all collected from 2004. And they're all like, okay, here's here's uh, here we go. Here, we're getting the big hitters right now. Can I read you some big hitters? Please. Ty Burr, Boston Globe. Uh, one of the prime laws of the multiplex state is that any action or horror movie series will devolve into ritualized violence, self-mocking camp, and egregious silliness by part three. Blade Trinity is right on schedule. Did Ty Burr even watch this movie? That's crazy. None of those things are in this movie. If anything, that that typifies too perfectly. Yes. Where it becomes this like completely sensationalized mush of brightness and and irritating plots that lead nowhere. And this like takes us right back to the heart of Blade. There's real stakes in this movie. Yeah. I like that this series has made us like the most hysterical defenders of like Blade like Blade 3, Terminator 4, Pirates 5. Like movies that I actually like really like and really want to defend. Yeah. It feels like I'm going crazy. Like I've I've just unlocked a secret. We're being gaslit by these like by the mainstream media. It's the mainstream media. This is nuts. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun Times. This can't be good. (laughs) It lacks the sharp narrative line and crisp comic book clarity of the earlier films. When you say earlier films, I'm thinking there's more that there's two, you idiot. And descends too easily into shapeless fight scenes that are chopped into so many cuts that they lack all form or rhythm. Again, didn't watch the movie. 
And then we have the New York Times coming in. The third installment of Blade series is choppy, forgetful, suspense-free romp that substitutes campy humor for chills. What? So these people were all fooled. This is what I'm talking about. They were fooled by Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is not campy comic book comedy. He is an asshole character that is going through something really traumatic, and his way of doing that is by just like pretending it didn't happen. He makes jokes about things that are important, and he keeps everything else bottled inside, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't kill the vampire at the end, the woman that ruined his life. He can't even do that. Right. And again, the joke is him being shut down and denied. Yeah. We're not laughing at him calling Parker Posey a thunder cunt. We're laughing at Blade being like, nah, man. Like, just no. Just shut up. Shut the fuck up. Without what? even saying it. That's how good he is. Yeah. Like, the, the joke of, like, that, dick, that dog's dick is smaller than yours. That's not funny. What's funny is Triple it's, H being like, that what, That makes no when sense, When did you man. see my dick, you idiot? Yeah, like, that's funny. And then Ryan's like, uh, I was talking about her. And it's like, that's also not funny. Right, he's like grasping and reaching. He's he's a foil for other people to react to. Yeah. He's a device in the movie, and it works. And then, um, I, But I do think down deep that it's like all these people are responding to him being an idiot. And it's like, that's part of his trauma. He's like such a weak, terrible person. Do that, you know the story of the clown Pagliacci? I don't think so. I mean, I, mean, I don't remember names very well. A man well. goes to a doctor. Okay. And the doctor says, Wait, what's what? the matter? <laughs> okay. And the man says, <laughs> it's a dramatic beat. It's a pause. Okay. It's a pregnant pause. So there's a pregnant pause for what the doctor's saying. When most doctors... Well, he sits down on the, de- on the table and says nothing. The doctor's like, what's the matter? And the guy goes... What about the person that comes in before? Didn't they get all that information for the doctor? You're doing a Del Toro thing where you're writing in a whole thing. We don't need that. We're focusing on this man's experience. Okay, so he comes in. He comes in, and the doctor goes, what's the matter? And the guy goes, oh, life has become a burden. Nothing brings me joy. You know, when I, when I hear the birds sing, it is to me the scratch of a nail on the wall. You know, when I see a, the laughter in a child's eye, it's like staring into an open grave. And the doctor goes, well, you know, yikes. <laughs> you know, the, the great... Is this a medical doctor the great, or a, a yeah, therapist? Well, you know, like, you know, your, 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 uh, your, your primary physician will be like, <laughs> at the end, they're like, uh, you, yeah. you depressed or anything? You're like, well, and they're like, no. oh, okay, great. Right. Great, see ya. Um, he's like, well, you know, look, sometimes we all get down, but the great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight, and you should go to see the great clown Pagliacci, and, and he will bring joy and delight back into, you, into your life and open the windows of your, of your soul. You'll, you'll feel the fresh air of joy and contentment air out the nooks and crannies of your very being. And the man turns to the doctor and says, but doctor, I am the great clown Pagliacci. Uh, he's the Pagliacci. You see Joker, man? The thing that's funny is he is very sad, like comedians are. Right. It's it's, it's dramatic irony. I don't really get So when he says Pagliacci's in town... But this is his primary care physician. No, I'm, no, I'm saying you know the, your primary. I was just using an example from our experiences. Though, if you're okay, like, so he's in town. Yeah. In, a, in a he goes to a doctor. So maybe he thinks I can't talk to my primary care physician about being depressed while I'm on tour in a strange city. I'll go find a doctor I've never seen before. He'll never see me again. He's filled with shame at, at his own weakness. Yeah, but it like isn't weakness. The Ryan, much like the Ryan. You reminded me of something when you said uh, a toddler's eyes were like gravestones. Yeah. Uh, the use of child in this movie is perfect. Most movies get children wrong. They miss, like, especially Cameron. Cameron does not know what to fucking do with a kid. This movie is like, she's in a few scenes. One of them is Blade being like, she's like, why are you so mean? And he's like, life sucks, fucking idiot. Get, no, get, she, get like, with it. Why, why can't you just be nice? And he goes, because the world isn't nice. Boom. And then the <laughs> second scene is Dracula being like, uh, she, aren't you scared, little girl? And he's like, no, because when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. He's like, uh, let me tell you something. There ain't no Santa Claus. Heaven's not real. There is no God. All you have is nothingness. Don't you want to live forever? It's great. It's so good. I think the problem with the use of children in film often, and again, pulling on the classic example of Newt, which is simply used to ruin the character of Ripley and make her into a more conventional female figure in James Cameron's yeah. eyes because he's Mama. a fucking idiot. What, what, in this movie, the child, the, the, the childlike innocence is just used to heighten and articulate and explore aspects of the protagonist and antagonist and give them a real dialogue scene, like with a real character. Yeah. Like they're having real conversations. She's not there to soften someone or to like draw no. out evil. She's there to simply like serve as an interesting foil for these larger explorations well, it's cool. of their worldview. Yeah, because adults are never going to be like, why are you so mean, Blade? Like, no one would believe an adult saying that. So you throw a kid in there to be like, ask these dumb questions. 
And it's cool to see them being like real harsh facts to this well, dumb little girl. As someone who interviews people for work constantly, you yes, have to yes, ask yes. dumb questions. Wait, what are you? An award-winning journalist. Okay. You have to ask dumb questions to provoke interesting answers. Right. It's like I, I you know, you watch Louis Thoreau, one of the best, you know, interviewers I've ever seen. He's constantly asking dumb questions because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to ask foundational questions about people to understand more about the very basis, the foundation of their worldview. And that's what we get out of this. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no scene where Blade's like, we should play basketball sometime and talk about, you know, right. what school's like. Like, he doesn't, like, chill out or become more conventional. It just, like, underscores yeah. that even talking to a literal child, he's still Blade. Yeah. And I love that. It's really good. And I think, I mean, maybe I uh, wasn't paying attention, but do you even see her get saved? That's an interesting question. I don't even think, I think she was, like, literally used as a way for our, like, the main antagonist and the main protagonist to, like, sort of share a little moments of who they are down deep. Yeah, well, I think, again, it would have been this, like, really devastating blow to the movie if they'd gone off in a subplot about, like, saving the child. And right. I think it would have been a really I don't think cheap... she comes back. Does she come back? I don't remember it. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, like... you don't see Ryan Reynolds in, what's her name? What's her name? Parker uh, Posey. No, who's the other? Jessica Biel. Tr- yeah, Jessica Biel. You don't see their escape, so I'm sure they just take her and go back. But it's like it's nice that they don't even linger on like we got to go get the girl. He cares more about getting his sword, right, than Which getting is so the girl. Sick. Yeah, Blade does the thing. You know, in Blade Two, they try to give us Blade doing Blade stuff. Like you know, they don't though. No, no, no. But they, they I know, throw in I know a couple saying, little. But, like, but in this, we get a lot of like real Blade being Blade that I just yeah. think is awesome. Yeah, he's so cool, and, and I think that's it, that the epitomized by. Him going back to get a sword and then jumping out of like a 20th store building and landing like, gotta get my sword. And yeah. it's sick. And by the way, the first time I saw him jump. <laughs> it's a five week. A five week. What would Tartarkas mul- think of Blade? Imagine if Blade went to fucking Barsoom. Can you believe that? He'd be the biggest jumper around. If he fucked up the Therns alongside the Thrax with fucking Tartarkas at his side. Tartarkas would be like. When I saw John Carter jump, I knew there was something special. But when I saw Blade, Blade jump, jump, holy shit. You can jump to one of those moons that keeps popping up. If Blade went to Barsoom to slaughter the Confederate war veteran John Carter, the pro-slavery bean-obsessed psychopath John Carter, how thrilling would that be? But I was joking. That's a crossover event that we, I want. We were talking off mic about like, you know, we watch a Blade 2 where it's just blown out and annoying. And you're like, well, and what I said was just put Blade in space, you know, yeah. like just take that step. What was it? It wasn't Shrek or no, it was Terminator. Movie? Term- sorry, yeah. no, no uh, Teenage. Wow. I, to this day, I will always say Terminator instead of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's the T's, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the TMNT one was supposed to be them. The animated one was supposed to be in space. And and it's like, look, it's a fucking franchise sequel. Why not go to space? Go to space. And, and what I'm saying is, look, we know, unfortunately, this is the end of the of the Blade franchise as it exists with Wesley Snipes in its original form. But can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are you asking? I am not asking when will it end because they course corrected successfully, which is such a huge test for any series. When you when you go off the rails, and again, last episode, I was asking when will it end, and, yeah. which was sad. Now I'm sad. I want to spend more time with Blade because this is the exact tone I want. You know, I want to see the ongoing adventures of Blade in this paradigm. You know the proof that Blade 2 is an insignificant fart? Whoa. No. What is it? Uh, is that Blade 3 didn't even require any retconning. Right. It didn't need to be like, oh, shit, they got something wrong. Well, we're just going to correct. No, it was like nothing in Blade 2 took place in the Bladeverse. It didn't even matter. None of it was real. Like, they don't even have to mention it. Well, other than bringing back Whistler, which is obviously the big thing. Like, I, I earlier said when I was feeling very cavalier and full of and full of pep, Full of beans? I, full of beans, full if of you John, John Carter. Carter style. Beans. The first thing on the list is beans. And maybe even the second thing, a different kind of bean. No, second thing is cool jumps. Um, you do have to explain why Whistler is back, which is annoying. But that's not that's not the fault of Blade Three. I'm not going to wait. What that. do you mean you have to explain why he's back? Because they bring him back in two very abruptly. Okay, I'm saying so he's that's dead the only one. So but, he went to Blade Three from one. He'd be like, oh, he's just back. Which, yeah. Okay. So you're going back to that, but like, it's not even retconning. It's just it's just conning. Well, I'm saying that that, that is again. the one thing they have to reckon yeah. with with Blade Two, which yeah. again, thank which God, they, do very well. they, they kill him act like it never happened, other than Whistler, which is sick. Honestly, By the way, Whistler, that motherfucker, new base, new hidden shotguns. You can't, oh, you can't stop him. Oh fuck! If you put Whistler in a room, he will hide eight <laughs> shotguns in it. You're like, oh, welcome to my home. You want the tour of the house? It's like, yes, please. 
Well, what's in, why, why are your pockets so heavy? No, don't worry nothing. About it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Just take. Let me let me see the tour of the house. Yeah. Then your partner's like, uh, Charles, did, there's did someone shotguns there's like eight and... shotguns strewn about the beams and rafters and lights of the home. <laughs> Fucking Whistler. Goddamn Whistler. Goddamn Whistler. He's Johnny Shotgun Seed. That'd be good. Yeah, that's a good stuff. That's a good series. Good stuff right oh my there. god, the shotgun seed series. So uh, let's yeah. rank them. Let's so, rank no, no, them. No, no, let me ask you. Okay. Are you asking when all of Thank you. Uh, no. Are you asking? No. This was great. I loved Blade Trinity. I'm real. I was really worried we would end this this series on a dud, and the mm-hmm. fact that we bounce back makes me feel like I can do anything. Anything. Like you can jump on Barsu. Oh, I would impress Tars Tarkas with my jumping ability. He would say, "Everyone, gather around. Look at Massachusetts jump." <laughs> that's actually one of the funniest parts of. That early part of John Carter is that all Willem Dafoe is trying to do is to get people to see him jump. Yeah, it's, it's like his his character's sole purpose is look how good this guy can jump. <laughs> it's like a half hour, he's like, John Carter, please jump for me. And John Carter's like, fuck you, Tars. The South will rise again. <laughs> I'm not jumping for you, you green piece of shit. Please jump for me. Jump for me. Jump. <laughs> jump, boy. And then he jumps, and everyone's like, oh, he jumps so good. The jumping is exquisite. Blade jumps so good. Blade is a master jumper. Yeah. And you can believe his jumping. Yeah, the the special effects were good. I think this is the best. I think I have a soft spot for the first one, that, like, Blood Tornado is really bad and cool. It was delightful. This one is way better looking. The the second one was, like, the rubbery special effects from 2002. Yeah. This is still not, you can tell it's CGI, but it's... It doesn't make me go, all right, that's a rubber man. I don't think there was a moment in this where I really had a, a – where I was caught up in the effects not working, which no. I think is really impressive. It is really cool to like I, – I do understand why practical effects are better. It's not that the effects themselves always look better. It's just like it makes the filmmakers have to work with something physical. And it makes the whole set – every like we were talking – we talked about glass in the first one. That holds like, oh, fuck, they just made this from a glass – we're going to watch that fucker get shattered. It's going to be great. Like they just like it's all so real and it you can feel that it really affects there, the There's whole a thing movie. where even with practical effects, I don't have to believe that it's really the thing it's representing. I have to believe that the characters and the actors are responding to actually something and having a a, a response that that dynamic is it's it's just so clear when that's not happening right. in, in movies where CGI is is so overwhelmingly employed. And so yeah, whatever they did in this really worked for me. Yeah, it did work. It was good. Um I think we let's get to the ranking. Listen, we're, we're I think the, this unfortunately, is we're at the end of a verse. We're gonna and I'm 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 already missed the blade verse. But we'll be back in 2022. That's true, baby. Marshall Ali. It'll be good. Do you think Marsh Marshall Ali is gonna call anyone cracker on set? On set, I don't know. <sighs> I he certainly so. has every right to, and I encourage him to make white people uncomfortable whenever he wants to. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, I, I want someone to call me a cracker. Okay, now it's getting weird. Don't fetishize it. No, I just I oh that's true. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, I think our rankings are pretty simple. I think we're on the same page. Yeah, let's do it. I think Blade One, if it was the only movie that came out in this world, is a pretty iconic '90s action movie that is really fun to watch and really violent and exciting. And I think it's my favorite of the trilogy. Uh, yeah, and it's a really good movie. Yeah. I would say it's probably one of the best movies that came out that year. It's it, it did everything I wanted. It, it's aged so shockingly well despite technological limits. It's it's really good. Yeah. No, number two, Blade Three, Blade Trinity. Yeah, it's great. Blade Trinity. It's a, a good movie. It, it's it's, it's a, a great, great Blade movie. It's a satisfying continuation of the world of Blade One, which number three in the list, old way in the back, Blade Two, completely throws out for reasons that are only attributable to Guillermo del Toro, Toro not in, like really wanting to stink it up with his thing so bad that he throws away everything about Blade One, its aesthetics, its emotional tone. Its location, all the things that make it work, he gets rid of, and we're left with some other thing. It barely feels like a Blade movie. Gonna, as you yeah, said. I was going to say, I'm going to even disagree with you. I don't even include it in the rankings. Well, <laughs> I strike it from the Blade verse. So you're you're uh, rewriting the canon entirely. Yeah, well. me as a as just a person. I'm not even a fan. Well, hold on, can we put two keys in the thing to open like the Cold War missile silo? Yeah, and then to press excise the button. it from the cannon. Okay, you ready? Right, yeah, three. How do they do this? Two, can you imagine? It's like, what's the? They do a countdown. Probably. I know, but like, what's the? You obviously can't do it at the exact same time. So there must be. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's it's like the scene in Scary Movie Four. Exactly. Where it's like I count to three, but I probably could just do it really. I go on time. four. Yeah, I'll go on four. Okay. One, One two, two, three, four. four. Oh, you're going. On four. You're no, going we, on no, four? we did it. We did it. <laughs> 
Okay, then we do we press a button or is that it? It's just the keys. You press the button. I want to press the button. Blade two will be removed from the blade cannon. Blade 2 shall never be discussed again in the Blade Cannon. Ka-chung! Lock the gates! What the fuck? Who are your guys? Blade. Whistler. The Pomeranian. <laughs> I, think we're, I think this is it. <laughs> this is, that was the end. Okay, what's our next... Uh, we're, we're cutting? Oh, right? shit. No, we do have to... Uh... Okay, clear, clear. Boop! We're done with Blade. We bid a fond farewell to Blades 1 and Trinity. <laughs> we, we care little for Blade 2. Cast out into the wilderness. Why are you talking about it? We have to do it again? It's we been just cast se- no, it no, no, no. We've been sent into the wastelands. It's time to die, it's, Blade We're never two. talking about it again. And it's the last time we'll ever say Blade 2. Our next movie, Charles, what verse oh are we diving into next? God. You're excited. You're pepped up. This is exciting. I, I... Vroom, vroom. <laughs> we got a little tease. Wink, wink. I... Well, first, let me say this. You're all about family. I am all about it's the all familia. About me familia. Me familia. See. Me familia is your. You are. You are my familia. Hey, uh, what brought you to the When Will It End podcast? What brings everybody to the When Will It End podcast? <laughs> the music, the culture. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so excited for the series. Oh, that's good. Uh, so we're doing the Furious verse. Yes, uh, it's going to be nine long weeks in preparation for. The May something something the release of Furious Nine. Yes, and of course we speak of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, so I I haven't seen uh, I can I give you can I admit please I haven't seen one or two. I've seen one, two, five, seven, eight, <laughs> or something. I, I'm missing a few conspicuous gaps. I've never seen Tokyo Drift. I don't, oh fuck. I've never seen that was four. the first one I saw. That's crazy. Because I'm all about drifting. I know we will have to do a primer-like chrono- like chronological map to figure out exactly how all this ties together. Because I remember they go fast and furious as well. With the, the, you know uh, they go the old fast and loose, I think. From room. This should be called fast and loose. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. So I've, basically... I've, wait, I've seen uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And Hobbs and Shaw. So right. I like got once with three. You've seen five? Oh, my God. Five, five is five. a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like, uh, are we are we the 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 Vin and Paul or the Vin and, and Dwayne? Because Vin and Dwayne do not like each other. We'll get into no, it. No, we're the we're, the Vin and Paul. I think we're. Yeah, we're. we're, the, we're, we're the, I would say we're the Tyrese say, and Ludacris. No, we're the we're the we're the Rock and Jason, Jason Statham yeah, because we sense, have yeah. that like energy that we hate each other right sometimes. like i'm big and muscular and charismatic and right. beloved and you're like and a i'm skinny british, british prick. i'm a british yeah. prick yeah gov Chav, but, but I, a i'm a criminal you're a cop Gov-ner? but down deep we love each other are we doing hobbs and shaw for that too is that on the schedule uh, it's not on the schedule we no. should probably work it in it's definitely part of that world Will we just make oh a determination on this? Uh, well, the ruling brain, is forthcoming. I just thought about the calendar. His brain is, is shattered. Oh, God, I, I need know. to go now. Yeah. I must leave. Okay. And I want to say one more time, goodbye, Blade. I love you. I love you, Blade. <laughs>